I just want to be clear here. Is President Trump seriously considering and talking about vetoing the NDAA over Section 230? Yes, uh, the president is serious about it. That's the White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany confirming an earlier tweet by the president where he said he would veto the National Defense Authorization Act unless the bill also repeals Section 230, a law concerning internet companies. Hello and welcome to A Deep Dive. I'm Jesse Locke and today we will be talking about Section 230, what it is, how it affects us, and why President Trump is threatening to veto a bipartisan military bill over a communications law. Let's dive in. So what is Section 230? Well, it's a part of the Communications Decency Act passed in 1996. And the law basically protects internet platforms like Wikipedia, Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube from being sued for content that its users post. So to understand that a little bit better, let's look at a hypothetical situation. Let's say I'm going around telling people my neighbor John broke into my house and stole my cat. But I'm completely making this up and John is in fact not a cat thief. But let's just say I bring these claims to a reporter and they publish the story in their paper about how John is a cold-hearted cat napper. Well, John hears these stories and he's clearly not happy about these lies being spread about him that are hurting his reputation. So he sues me for defamation, and he sues the newspaper for defamation because they published the fake story. Cool. Great. But let's just say this scenario is a little different, and instead of a newspaper publishing my fake story, I just post it on Twitter. Well, John is still going to be mad about it and still sue me for defamation, but he can't sue Twitter because the law says that Twitter is merely a platform for my communications and not a publisher. Therefore, they are not responsible for what I put on their site. And to help explain and elaborate on Section 230, I sat down with a professor and department chair at the University of Miami School of Communication, Sam Torelli. Before coming to UM, he practiced media law for over 30 years and worked as a counsel to the Miami Herald. Um, it, it really was adopted to resolve an issue that developed as the Internet began to grow in the 90s, which is what would be the responsibility of the providers of the service, the interconnectivity, for the content created by one of their users. And and the result was really section 230. But what 230 said was that if you're the provider of the interconnectivity, and by that think of the ISP, the internet service provider, whether it's, you know, AOL.com or Google or, or whatever the case might be then you have no liability for things like defamation and invasions of privacy and similar claims caused by others who are creating the content that you're simply in effect hosting or are allowing to be transmitted through your service. And, and that makes perfect sense because frankly, the, the ISP was not the publisher the author of that content. And much like the telephone company is not the author of uh, your telephone call to me or my telephone call to you. Okay. Now, down the road, the courts interpreted that a bit more broadly, but I think not incorrectly to say that, all right, if, if say you have a web page, you're uh, a newspaper or a CNN or, or any other web page, 
And you have responsibility for the content that you create or your employees and your agents create. But what if you have a, a comment section where your, your users can, can post their own comments? Do you have liability for the content of their comments? And the answer was no, you don't. Even if you've invited those comments, uh, unless you somehow participated in the writing, the editing, the authoring of, of that comment. Okay, so that's kind of where 230 developed. And as a result, uh, companies that you're very familiar with, everything from Facebook to Twitter to Instagram, et cetera, they don't have that type of liability for the content created by their users. So essentially, Section 230 makes a distinction that when a company publishes their own content, they're going to be liable for that. But when a company merely acts as a platform or avenue for others to publish content, they're not liable for that. And that seems to make enough sense, because if Twitter was liable for what we post on there, then they would have to review every single tweet before they put it online, which seems pretty impractical. But many lawmakers on both sides of the aisle believe Section 230 should be altered, and some say it should be completely abolished. To understand their positions and reasons for this, I talked to Professor Lynn Carrillo. She's a professor at the University of Miami and a vice president of legal at NBC Universal News Group. So I can tell you that some of the varying different perspectives are the victims' rights groups that feel that um, the internet and platforms that allow bullying and allow hate speech and allow um, content that could be considered um, problematic or um, hurtful to others, that there should be some moderation because by allowing things to happen on those platforms, when you have the ability to control it, um, prevents people from being able to protect themselves because you have a lot of anonymous speech and that can people can say things about others and there's no re recourse or liability. The person has no way of being able to really find out who is saying those things. So linking this problem back to our hypothetical scenario from earlier, say I had tweeted about John stealing my cat from an anonymous account. He wouldn't be able to sue anyone for it because he wouldn't know who posted it. And since he wouldn't be able to sue Twitter, the post would stay up because Twitter would have no incentive to remove it. So here we have a potential problem where false speech that injures people's reputation can be posted and spread very easily on the internet without much accountability. But that's not the only reason as to why Section 230 should maybe be reconsidered. The other area is that some media companies who are content providers say, well, it's not a fair fight because you have um, these other media companies, which we're all media companies, right? We're all producing content. We're all creating content. Um, just because you happen to host a platform as well, you have no liability for that content, but any content we create, we do have liability for. So that's another um, problem and another concern. So this argument involves concerns that when internet platforms are also producing their own content, they won't be liable for the content they produce because they're also a host for users' content. And this gives social media companies an edge over traditional media companies, even if they're acting in the same way. 
So now I hope that at this point, we all have a better understanding of what the law is, the reasoning behind it, and also the criticisms of it. But I'd like to now bring your attention back to the president's assistance on the immediate termination of Section 230, even at the risk of withholding military spending. So Section 230 is something the president has criticized for several years now, but not exactly for the reasons we just highlighted. The issue has become especially a leading concern for him after Twitter began flagging many of his election-related tweets for misinformation. According to the Washington Post, Twitter flagged over 200 tweets from Trump in the month of November alone, all of them regarding election misinformation. This amounted to a fourth of all his tweets that month. And Twitter's way of flagging posts is including a footnote under the tweet that says, this claim about election fraud is disputed. And that way, if you click on it, Twitter will link you to information about fact-checking organizations and the news that they have gathered about the topic. So Trump has frequently spoken out against Twitter and Facebook flagging or removing posts. And he summed up this disdain for the practice back in May when he signed an executive order aimed at stripping Section 230 protections from companies that engage in that so-called censorship. The choices that Twitter makes when it chooses to suppress, edit, blacklist, shadow, ban, are editorial decisions, pure and simple. They're editorial decisions. In those moments, Twitter ceases to be a neutral public platform, and they become an editor with a viewpoint. And I think we can say that about others also, whether you're looking at Google, whether you're looking at Facebook, and perhaps others. One egregious example is when they try to silence views that they disagree with by selectively applying a fact-check, fact-check. F-A-C-T, fact check. What they choose to fact check and what they choose to ignore or even promote is nothing more than a political activism group or political activism, and it's inappropriate. Therefore, today I'm signing an executive order to protect and uphold the free speech and rights of the American people. Currently, social media giants like Twitter receive an unprecedented liability shield based on the theory that they're a neutral platform, which they are not, not an editor with a viewpoint. My executive order calls for new regulations under Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act to make it that social media companies that engage in censoring or any political conduct will not be able to keep their liability shield. That's a big deal. Now, it's important to note that this executive order has yet to produce any changes in policy or in the way Section 230 is implemented, and it's unlikely it will because Joe Biden's team is going to be taking over office and they're going to appoint different people to the Federal Communications Commission. But if a law like this were to ever be implemented, like the president suggested, Professor Torelli believes it would be problematic to make social media companies liable for other people's posts. They're not involved in authoring that content. That's the, the serious, a serious problem with that argument. Second, that's completely impractical in terms of the business. What are you trying to do, administration? Kill the internet? But regardless of the possible impracticality of repealing Section 230, many Republicans have sided with the president on his reasonings. One of those people is Laura Cox, the chair of the Republican Party of Michigan. Do you consider Twitter flagging content to be editing? Yeah, I do. I do because based on what, like, what is their, what is their basis on? And again, that's editing. So if you're going to have a platform, then you need to operate as a platform. 
And if you want to operate as an editor, then you have to operate as an editor. We can't have it both ways. Another point that the chairwoman brought up is that as a consumer of media, she would prefer to use a site that does not determine what's true and not true. And she acknowledged that an alternative to the government kind of just forcing companies to not monitor their content would be to just let the free market work. And if people don't want to use platforms that fact check, then another platform will come along that doesn't fact check. And in fact, this has already happened with the app Parler, which markets itself as a way for people to speak freely, express themselves openly without the fear of being, quote, deplatformed for their views. But Professor Carrillo points out that some people have a fear that the free market might not work in this way if media companies become too monopolized. Uh, most of social media is controlled uh, by a handful of companies. And these con uh, companies not only hold that platform, but also the content that is being generated. When you see less and less companies putting out content, and when you have more and more control, the question comes, is there a monopoly? And then is there a mechanism for people to be able to um, rightfully control their own sphere? Like, can they control their privacy? Can they control what is being done? Or is it because uh, these companies have such a strong monopoly that they really can control the conversation? Many Democrats, on the other hand, approve of possibly changing Section 230, but for completely opposite reasons. Republicans want to have the option to remove liability protections to force companies into not flagging or removing content on their sites, while Democrats, on the other hand, want to just unilaterally remove liability protections so that tech companies do even more to monitor this content. So their idea is that opening up these companies to possible lawsuits will force them to have more incentive to remove false content. And Joe Biden actually takes a more extreme stance than his fellow Democrats on the issue. In an interview with the New York Times, Biden said, quote, Section 230 should be revoked. Like President Trump, Biden's stance on the issue is also personal. Last year, Facebook was running false attack ads from Russia targeting Joe Biden. Here's what he had to say. I've never been a fan of Facebook, as you probably know. I've never been a big Zuckerberg fan because it is not merely an Internet company. It is propagating falsehoods they know to be false. It's irresponsible. It's totally irresponsible. But Biden's plan to simply repeal Section 230 faces the same problems Trump does. Social media companies were simply not designed to check every post before it's made. And if they were given the burden of doing so, the free flow of information of the internet would be very much stifled. Supporters of Section 230, like Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, are fearful of just that. Section 230 is the most important law protecting internet speech. And removing Section 230 will remove speech from the internet. It's critical as we consider these solutions, we optimize for new startups and independent developers. Doing so ensures a level playing field that increases the probability of competing ideas to help solve problems. We mustn't entrench the largest companies any further. I think Dorsey brings up another really good point that putting those kind of regulatory burdens on social media companies would make it almost impossible for new companies to be created because they just don't have the money or resources to monitor all that content. So here's my take. Section 230 served an important purpose in letting the internet develop in its early stages, but now it has to be updated to reflect the different times. 
Social media companies should not have to screen every post before uploading it on their site. That completely defeats the purpose of a social media platform. However, they should face some liability for knowingly hosting illegal content like defamation or invasion of privacy on their sites. But for exactly how that will work out, I'm going to have to leave that up to the lawmakers. And that will do it for me today. Big thanks to everyone who took the time to listen to this podcast. I hope you learned something new, and I'll be back again soon with another deep dive. 